90% of all scientists that have ever been alive are alive today. That's a lot of information, but don't panic. It's not an exact science. Hey, Shannon, how are you? Doing pretty well. How about yourself? Not too bad getting my holiday festive lights on. (laughs) Are these all like run by Arduinos and things like that? Uh, Even better. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So actually, I have a internet connected switch plugged into the plug that the Christmas lights out in front of the house are on. And then there is a set of if this and that actions that when it's sunset locally, turns the lights on and then turns them out at 11 o'clock every night using if this and that connected to the Wemo switch. <laughs> cool <laughs> and unsurprising. <laughs> and, and I figured out a way when I get a mention on Twitter to make the lights flash. Not everyone run at once, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if you want to make my front yard Christmas lights flash, you know, at me on Twitter. Uh, oh, my <laughs> gosh. I don't, I don't, I mean, how sad are you going to be when it only happens every, like, day or two? <laughs> <laughs> well, the problem is you've got to do it when they're on, when it's dark. Mm-hmm, yeah. And, oh. you know, I have to be watching. So, <laughs> and the neighbors will just think that I've got a flaky connection somewhere. So, everybody, that's at Geo underscore Lehman now. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I'll have to see if I can figure out a way to make them, if they're off, flash on. Oh, my Lord. There might be a way to do this. This is fantastic. They're going to be like, this is the lamest Christmas music ever. These are dancing, too. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I just hope I actually get mine out. We'll see. It It is the traditional week to do so, but meh. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's my thoughts on that. (laughs) Well, I'm not going to say we went nuts. We wrapped a tree in the front yard. Okay. Uh, I I was not about to do the gutter clips and all that. Oh, see, that's what we usually do. But, you know, we have to wait. Since it's that time of year in Oklahoma, we have to wait for the wind to die down from 50 miles an hour to, you know, 30 miles an hour to get up on the roof. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I will say it makes it a little more exciting, though. I bet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. So no, that's uh, that's what we've been up to, and you know, just uh, working on setting things like that up on my Mac. On your Mac, uh, you know, I hate it. I'm on mine right now. I even updated my OS to the new Sierra, which I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I just well, I know what Sierra means, mountain. I know that part. <laughs> <laughs> but now like Siri's on here. I was having a conversation with her when you called me so we could record. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I asked her which she preferred uh, Android or Apple devices. And she said she was partial to Apple, but she was, you know, programmed that way. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's creepy. I don't know. It feels weird. It feels like I have a, a friend hanging out with me on the computer all the time. I don't well, know. You can, I... you can turn her off. Yeah. Well, She's on right now. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, as a refresher, if you have not listened to last week's show, if you're listening in reverse order or something, you should go listen to that one because we're going to continue the discussion that we had last week about what computing technology we use and why something that we thought was going to be a 10-minute show that's turned into <laughs> two shows. 
I love it. We have the worst scheduling imaginable. We're like, we'll go into all this really big detail, like researching a show, and you and I will have like four pages of notes, and we're like, this is great. This is a good show. And like 28 minutes later, we're like, okay, there's four pages of notes, and that's uh, that's that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and this one we're like, let's talk some computer stuff. We haven't done that in a while, you know, let's let's do a Mac versus Windows and throw some Linux in there too. And uh yeah, we got super excited and we ramped up to this fever pitch hundred and five minutes in. <laughs> right. So <laughs> So yeah, so we're gonna continue that today and talk, you know, less about our PCs because we talked a lot about that and more about um more about our tablets because John made the disturbing comment that if he wasn't you know programming that he would only have an ipad pro as his primary computer i did and you said that you adored your samsung tablet i do and we have a samsung tablet in the house and the only thing we use it for is netflix because it's useless for everything else useless watch your milk (laughs) oh man I love it. Okay, so, oh, that's, okay, yeah, I remember what I got so excited to tell you about because it's the most, it's like the most embarrassing consumer story ever. So when I got hired, you know, I was rife with uh, startup money. That's a lie, everyone. I was not. I have very little of it, but I did have a certain (laughs) amount that was supposed to go towards computers, and I got really excited, so I go to Best Buy, sorry. Uh, I wanted to touch them, okay? And our campus IT store sucks. I hope they're listening. <laughs> and so I go in there, and it captivated me. The The Tab S Samsung tablet captivated me. And it was solely because... <laughs> it's so embarrassing. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> no, no, keep going. <laughs> no, let's talk about something else. <laughs> so it was in this really like sleek display case, right? Where you can only see the screen part of it. And he's got, <laughs> it's like they knew I was coming and set this up. They've got this really cool, like ethereal Inya type music going on. And it's this two and a half minute video of all these awesome, like outside pictures, <laughs> like all crammed together. <laughs> You know, and like shooting stars and astral photography and then like a volcano. Oh, man. And I sat there like like a child with my mouth hanging open because the graphics were so pretty. And I said, I'll take it. <laughs> it was so embarrassing. I, and I dropped like 400 bucks like it was nothing at all all just based on that and I was I said does it have a keyboard you know does it have and he's like well yeah but you know we're out of him like I don't care I don't care just just give it to me I love it they didn't have it in the color I wanted nothing and I still bought it because I was so captivated by that by that video if only you'd kept looking at the iPad screens which are (laughs) actually a lot higher resolution (laughs) it didn't seem like it man (laughs) (laughs) and it also probably says something about where these things are in the store and how they actually work because while i am not a luddite even though i'd like to portray myself as such (laughs) you know i was still sucked in because it was the first thing i came to like i didn't even make it over to the apple part because the samsung thing was right there and i've got a samsung phone that i really like and so i just 
Yeah, yeah. That two and a half minute video, I don't know how long it, or how much it cost them to produce it, but it definitely sold them at least one tab. As. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and um, I like it. I don't, well, I guess my whole problem with tablets in general is like, I like a good keyboard, man. I have a mechanical keyboard at work. I love the clackety clack. And even my, that's my biggest problem with my Surface too, is I hate the keyboard on it. And so I could never function strictly on, on a tablet. So I'm a keyboard snob as well. (laughs) I use a clackety clack keyboard at work and on my computer in the basement. I have one of the Apple keyboards upstairs where I record the podcast. It's not my favorite, but it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of, is that one of those, uh, like, the wireless ones? Yeah. Okay, that one's a little bit scrunchy up for me. It's a little little tight. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with you that the Surface keyboard is garbage. Oh, it's terrible. Terrible. And I think I I'd use that. I cannot type nearly as fast. <laughs> yeah, I think I would use my Surface a lot more, but I don't. I think that's why I was, like not forced, but why I was drawn to the Dell XPS 13, the tiny one, because I want the tininess of the surface. But man, I hate that keyboard. And the Dell keyboard is an excellent experience. So, Well, brace yourself then, because oh, no. the, the iPad Pro keyboard, I don't hate. That's dumb. It's not a keyboard. <laughs> what do you mean? It's on the... Oh, oh, the one that, like, connects into the case, not the yeah, one that's no, the actually f- the on the... physical keyboard. Oh, okay. I was going to say, and the one on the screen, we're done. I'm done with you. <laughs> Never <laughs> It's mind. got a pretty good feel. Uh, okay. My biggest complaint is it is loud. Well, you, um, have a, you have a mechanical keyboard. You should love that. <laughs> yeah, but if you're sitting in a meeting or yeah, something like true. that, and you've got a tablet, it just seems weird that's going clack, 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 clack. Uh, <laughs> That's absolutely true. I mean, there really should be an app that when you get to the end of the line, it goes ching. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that exists. Yeah, I've had people call me out um, when I have my door open working with that mechanical keyboard. They're like, wow, you're really getting with it in there. (laughs) And I mean, I, it doesn't bother me too much. That is my biggest complaint with it. I can't type as fast as I can on a real mechanical keyboard with it, but pretty darn close. Okay. Hmm. Uh, I've never I've never thought about doing this with it. And hmm. I like so it's got the you know the command option and control keys like a Mac does. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the same keyboard shortcuts work. Okay. So now So like command one? tab switches apps and the Emacs key bindings uh to go to the beginning of the line or end of the line or whatever, VI key bindings, those work. Oh, uh, now, is this the smart keyboard or the magic keyboard? The smart uh, one is just the wireless one, right? Or am I, I wrong? I think so. I'm not sure of the exact term. This is the one that actually, there are no batteries because it has actual physical wire connections to the case. Oh, no. Okay. So that's the smart keyboard. Okay. That has and to stay attached to the iPad. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And it was expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how, ex- how expensive? I want to say it was around $170. That is expensive and not surprising from Apple. Okay. <laughs> no, not at all. Because uh, <laughs> the the add-on to the Tab S was 100 bucks, And I, like I said, I could have I gotten it, and then I decided not to. So, I mean, I think the keyboard's essential because if 
you don't have a keyboard on a tablet, it's pretty hard to do a lot of real work. Yeah. You lose half your screen space to an on-screen keyboard that you can't feel. Yes. Yep. That is exactly right. Um, the other thing is the pencil on the iPad Pro is amazing. See, I have one sitting there, and I have never been able to integrate it. Like, I have a colleague at work who is all over it. Like, he has gone all in with his iPad Pro and that pencil, and that's all he carries around. I don't even think he knows how to write with an actual writing utensil anymore, <laughs> like, because it's all he uses. But what do you – so I always ask this of iPad users. What do you use the pencil for? Because I know you and I both, and we've talked about it on this show, which I'm sure no one – remembers listening to us talk about this you know we bought that evernote pen ages ago i think much to both of our disappointments yeah yeah and that thing wasn't cheap i mean like 75 bucks or something it was expensive and then evernote became subscription only and they started selling socks and then yeah yeah um it got real weird (laughs) yeah uh so i use it mostly for taking notes um I also use it for doing things like annotating photos and screenshots. See, now that's what I'm interested in doing. So this just does it then. There's no special anything. Because you had to to use that Evernote thing. You had to bring all your stuff into Evernote for it to use it. Yeah, so this just works. And now with iOS 11, if you take a screenshot on the iPad Pro, it actually puts it down the lower left corner of the screen for a few seconds. And if you tap it, it pulls the screenshot up in annotation and send mode. Ooh, nice. Um, so I'm a big fan of that. I will say, though, I still, and I was just talking about this this week, uh, like if I'm if I'm trying to learn something, if I'm reading from a book, fine. I can take my notes in a notebook on the iPad. In fact, sometimes it's even nice if I'm reading a digital book to have the digital book up on one half the screen and my notes up on the other half. Okay. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I can also copy and paste, you know, images and text from the book right into my note. That's really cool. Uh, where I did have a problem using it was earlier this week, I was down in the lab working on doing some troubleshooting, and I needed to keep really detailed troubleshooting notes and flip back and forth between them all the time. And I was working in an environment where there could be some fluid splashing around, and I just didn't want my iPad there. Mm-hmm. So I, I use physical paper then, but... <laughs> you used what? Wait, what? <laughs> Well, but here's the thing. As soon as I was done, I scanned it and put it in my notes anyway. (laughs) Nice. And so I think I just need to get a little bit less afraid of taking the iPad everywhere. Yeah. I think you lose that fear when you have children. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Just, I mean, you think about it. Yeah, it's an expensive device. That and all the accessories together was about $1,300. Mm-hmm. But if if you price that out per day and the fact that I am staring at that iPad screen several hours every day at a minimum, yeah, it's really a great return on investment for me. Yeah, that's that's very true. That's why I spent eight hundred bucks on a on my Android phone that is waterproof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so 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 I'm curious, what do you love so much about your Samsung tab other than the graphics? I really thought the graphics were really good. And I will say using this massive Mac that I have, I don't even know what it is. It's really big. Um, <laughs> using that, the graphics are really impressive. So I, I really liked that about it. Um, you know, unfortunately, I got this 
several, three years ago. Um, so I've had it for a while and it kind of just sat around and I didn't use it for much uh, until recently. I kind of said, I'm going to use this thing that I bought. Um, I use it for a lot of Netflix too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> not going to lie. Uh, we kind of live out in the country, so we've got crappy internet and it seems to work really well on this Versus everything else, you know, it doesn't work as well with the Apple TV or the Roku or anything. So, um, it's because it has to stream at lower resolution. Yeah. <laughs> so it's less, less bandwidth. Yeah, that's how it goes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, we do use it for a lot of that. I don't like a lot of it's kind of, and this is just the Android platform, it's got a lot of crap built into it that I don't like, but mm-hmm. I, th- I feel like that's everything, you know. That's kind of, that's kind of everything. I use it a lot. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> if you don't know how to deal what with What built-in app on your iPad do you not like that you can't uh, delete? Okay. Look, Lehman, I'm done now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know because I don't use the iPad. Um, <laughs> that's true. Um, but I've told myself, you know, I'm going to use it more for work stuff. And so I've been reading a lot on it. And unlike you... I like the size, so mine, I got that 10 and a half inch. I like that size for reading. I think it's the perfect size for me. And so um, what I've been doing, because I am a dummy when it comes to electronics, not a Luddite, but a dummy, because I have a Nook, I don't have a Kindle, because I said, I'm not going to go in for this Amazon crap, I'm buying this Nook (laughs) that is ridiculously hard to get library books on (laughs) yep ridiculously hard like it has to interface with like three different computers and then it has to like perform a wiccan ceremony and then maybe the maybe the stupid thing (laughs) shows up on it so i've been using it for that and i've i'm so pleased with what every kindle user already knew which was how easy it is to use overdrive through your library and then i use the kindle reader and it's great (laughs) yeah and but I mean, I, I know my, my, one of my coworkers has the 10 and a half inch iPad and I know my wife said that's the size that she would have preferred, uh, if she were to get an iPad, mm-hmm. I like the bigger one because it's the size of a sheet of paper. Yeah. See, you said that. And when I went to use it to read with thinking about that, here's the difference. When I fall asleep with a sheet of paper, it doesn't break my nose. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that iPad does. Like, I can still hold that Samsung, like, with one hand, you know, while I'm reading with it. And I I like that. The iPad just, it's too big for me. Obviously, the smaller iPads are not, but I also have the large iPad Pro, so. Right. Yeah. So, I guess I'm curious, what... When you were looking for a tablet, because I'm obviously a little bit biased towards Apple, not that I have only positive things to say about them. (laughs) Shockingly, you don't. You're correct. (laughs) There's plenty on the other side, too. Mm -hmm. Um, But what are some of the things that you wanted to do or that you would want to do with a tablet? Forget about any restrictions that you've run into or anything like that. If you could design your ideal tablet, what would you want to be able to do on it? Yeah, so, I mean, I feel that tablets, like, when they first came out, it was this really cool thing for internet, right? And I just don't feel like I sit around and do a lot of just, I'm going to sit down and do the internet. 
You know, I don't do that. Like, it happens peripherally. Like, I finish that email, I'm going to look this thing up, you know? Um, and so I never really use, like, an iPad in that manner. So what I wanted to do is to be able to be used as a work tool. So for me, that's a lot of reading, and that's a lot of using the the grading part of our campus system that we use, our learning tool, so Canvas in our case, uh, interfacing with that, which isn't equal across all apps or all uh, platforms, right? Um, so that's what I wanted to do. And I had no idea that I wanted it to be this e-reader, but that's that's basically what I wanted out of it. Okay. So reading is definitely doable, reading and annotation. So the... I, I wanted the annotation too, that I don't think I get on this Samsung, but I don't think I've been... I haven't been able to use it on the iPad Pro enough to be super impressed with it. I think I just need to get the right stuff on there to use it with to be impressed with it. Yeah, and I mean, there's a couple of really good apps out there. The one thing I have learned is every app, this is not a computer. Yeah. it You can do what you need to do, but don't expect the interface to be the same. So right. for me, it was like, well, with with a computer, I can download most applications, and in a few minutes, I can figure out the basics and get my feet under me and get going. Mm-hmm. It's like relearning how to use a computer. But once you do, it's seamless. With the iPad Pro, you mean? Yes. Or with any tablet? Well, I think with any tablet, especially with the iPad Pro, because I had to get used to things like, okay, I need to use four fingers and do this gesture, (laughs) or I need to use three fingers and do this gesture. And once you get that down, you can cruise. See, now that's something like, I'm not huge on all these, so this goes back to last week. I'm sorry, this is ill-placed in our arguments, but (laughs) like, you know, hotkeys and stuff like that. I have never taken the time to learn that stuff. And I think that that is something that if I took the time to figure out how to use it, it would be mind-blowing for me. Oh, yes. You would have a much better experience, even on your normal computer. Yes. I hate taking my hands off the keyboard and using the mouse. Wow. Okay. I once went to the doctor because I had some mouse-related things that weren't carpal tunnel. Yeah. So, I understand. (laughs) Like weird, you know, tendon bubbles and all this stuff from using the mouse. Um... Yeah, and I think to myself, like, how many people are like me? Like, they've got this ridiculously powerful piece of electronics, and they don't know how to even begin to scratch the surface of it. I feel like that with the iPad, which is going to come around later when we talk about this, because my husband mostly uses it, and he definitely is not, like, a power user in any stretch of the imagination. So I'm like, why do you pick this thing over these other tablets that we have? But, um... Like there's so you have to make it intuitive for people or else no one uses all those the full power of it. But it's definitely worth your while. Is that is that well, true? So I think, you know, the, the things like browsing the web and all that, that's intuitive. Yeah. To get the more advanced features, you've gotta do the learning behind it. Yeah. And, you know, I did as well. Uh I it was not necessarily the first thing I thought of, and there's something that's like, well, that seems like a weird way to do it. Well, it's not a weird, it's, it's different because it's a different device. It's a totally different interface. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I, I shouldn't expect to use it like a computer with a mouse because it's not a computer with a mouse. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I guess that, um, yeah, when I, that's why it's set around for so long, 
the tablet. And I thought, I don't, you know, I just don't need this stuff. Um, what I want to use it for and what I bought it for originally was to try to see if it would be really good in the field for like mapping purposes. And that's probably a whole nother show that we should have people who develop this kind of software on. But um, I know there's a lot of different uh, software developed for for this. And there was one that was really impressive that was for Android, Android only, which I thought was unusual <laughs> yeah. um and so but it wound up it didn't it didn't it hadn't worked out all the bugs yet so i haven't re-downloaded it i should probably try it um but that's where the tab s seemed i don't know it seems a little delicate to take out into the field right and so <laughs> before i go too far down the you know apple is wonderful thing uh <laughs> I will say there is a real risk of vendor lock-in here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I have an iPhone, an iPad, an Apple Watch, and a Mac, and they all work together very well. When I do transition over to one of my machines, it's on another operating system. It's like, oh, I can't get my iNotes here, and yeah. I can't get my things that are in iCloud, and so what do you think about that? Because I know you got that Surface, and I thought that you would have a good perspective on that because you were so sort of Apple entrenched. And then I got this Mac, and I'm like, well, I don't even want to use it because I can't get blah, blah, blah on it and stuff like that. Um, but do you think that's becoming easier now with stuff like Dropbox? It's getting there. Yeah. Uh, and Apple has done some things like you can log in to the iCloud website and edit notes in the web interface, for example, okay. on a PC. You can. All right. I yes. was going to ask you about that. So there are some cloud apps. Uh, they're not great, but they're serviceable. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're getting there. It's getting to the point, though, where really, I mean, when we went on vacation earlier this year, I only took my iPad. Oh, was that like choosing which child you were going to take with you did you like <laughs> no I mean, it was it was sort of an experiment because well i shouldn't have to do any work while we're gone yeah yeah if i have some downtime okay maybe i'll mess with it but <laughs> you can't shut us off <laughs> like, right it just but, doesn't happen <laughs> but what under no constraints what could i do with it mm -hmm. and i was really pretty impressed uh, okay I was able to log in and do a lot of things with websites, web apps uh, that I need to do, take notes, draw things. I was able to remote into some servers and do some stuff, uh, all from the tablet. And a lot of things and services that I use even have apps, so I could just use the app. Was there things you wanted to do that you couldn't then? Um. There were things that were harder to do than I would like them to be. Okay. So like running a Jupyter notebook, a Python notebook, mm -hmm. you can't do that natively. Uh, so my solution is, oh, well, I'm just going to you know log into my server and fire up a notebook server. And then I can have the Jupyter notebook running in my web browser on the iPad like I was sitting in front of a computer, but it's all really happening on a server in my basement. Okay. Okay, gotcha. that is not within the scope of what 99% of the iPad-using population is going to be able to do or want to do. Yeah, correct. Which is fine. But we need to get there. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's coming. I I would think that in the next, oh, I don't know, five years or so, it's going to be massively different. In terms of usability on the iPad or all around? Uh, well, in terms of usability on the iPad, I, I really think that there are going to be very few people carrying around dedicated laptops. Mm-hmm. So I would be interested in, because I, I bought this Dell XPS 13, you know, and it's this tiny little guy that you carry around. And I went on the Slack chat room and asked people, you know, hey, what do you think of this? And there was a lot of people who were really excited about it because it seemed like, you know, laptops were tiny, then they got way big, and then they got tiny again. Everyone was excited about that to have all of that usability again in something the size of a tablet because it's very small. Um I think it's small compared to that iPad Pro, too. <laughs> it seems yeah. small. So uh, that's interesting to hear you say that then because I feel like they did, Dell did really well. I don't know if that's true with the XPS 13 because of that functionality. Maybe. And, you know, I think one of the big things is going to be on a tablet, at least right now, apps and things are very much sandboxed. So you might be able to interact with, they have the files app now or interact with things in Dropbox, but it's not everything can talk to this big pile of files sitting on your hard drive. Yes. This is much more secure and much harder to screw up. Mm -hmm. And really what's the likelihood of many of your apps needing to be able to talk to that one file? Not high. So I think that as that interface and that technology gets a little better, it's going to become a more secure and less hassle way. Because think about it. If, if you go on your iPad or your Samsung, you probably update apps relatively frequently, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How often do you update your Windows programs? When they break. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a more stable ecosystem. It's trivial to install and apply patches and updates. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah. It seems more intuitive, too. Because I feel like, yeah. you know, once you have a program, yeah, unless they bug me with 20 emails about updating it, I never think about it. But it's like, yep, got to update this app. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, I don't even I didn't even think about how native that was. And as somebody that writes software, that's amazing because... <laughs> <laughs> then somebody doesn't come to me and say, I'm having some problems and I ask what version are they running? And they say something <laughs> that, you know, was last done 12 years ago. I don't think people understand that at all. You know, they're like, well, why doesn't it work? It worked when I got it. You know, I, why doesn't this 10 year old program that I've never, you know, done anything to work anymore? Right. Yeah. Or, you know, the other thing is, <laughs> They say, well, why would I need to update? It's like, well, there are bug fixes. Like, there are bugs. Every software has bugs. Yeah. Every software (laughs) has bugs. Uh, You know, coding is really the process of bugging. And then we spend the rest of the time debugging. Just like every restaurant. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's something, it's good practice to keep it up to date. And in fact, I know we both actually talked to our spouses and tried to get them on the show. (laughs) Yeah. And both refused. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, they did. <laughs> uh, 
So why did you want your husband to come on? Well, mostly because, you know, I brought home, I've got these two tablets. I'm obviously not using them both at the same time, right? And then I bought my little tiny laptop. So I'm using that to work with mostly. And so he's sort of, despite the fact that I have a hot pink case on it, he's manly, he doesn't care. Um, <laughs> he's sort of taken over the use of the iPad Pro in general. Um, and so I just wanted to know why he liked it. Because usually... He just grabbed whatever, didn't really care, and he's really attached to it, and it's not because of the hot pink case. <laughs> um, and I, I think he likes it for sort of the same reason you like it, is the size of it. Like, it, it's the size of if you sat down at a computer without all the junk that comes along with sitting down at a computer was kind of what he was getting at. Yeah, and really the sound on it's stellar, too, for doing uh, yeah. things like YouTube. Right. And so he does a lot of that because he's always fixing stuff. And so he's always watching channels all the time to do that. Um, and I think he likes that. He likes the graphics in terms of that as well. Um, so that was a big deal to him. He's got an iPhone. So he's sort of he's always had an iPhone. Um, so the familiarity is there. That's why he picks that up probably over my Samsung. But he really likes the size and just the the feel of the iPad and also he's familiar with the apps so that's that's a big deal like he doesn't have to learn anything new right he he won't use the pencil I try to get him to <laughs> I'm like figure out how this works um but that was his main sort of thing about why he liked it so much more and why he picks okay. it up over everything else that we have and I thought that was interesting because it seems so huge. Well, I'm betting he does the same thing I do with it, uh, which is I will fold the keyboard back out of the way mm -hmm. and then pull up a manual for whatever I need to work on on it. Yeah. And it's like having the manual laying there. And yep. yeah, I could pull it up on my laptop, but my laptop takes up a lot more space on my bench because it's got the full keyboard and everything, whereas this is just like having the manual standing up at the back of the desk. Right, exactly. That's exactly it. I think that is why he likes it a lot. That's interesting that you said the sound, because I think that is definitely one thing, too. Because you can have it, you know, far away doing something, and it still works. Yeah, and, and we watch a decent amount of Netflix on it, too. And yeah, well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Who doesn't? When, <laughs> when we watch uh, a movie on it, it sounds really pretty good i would say it sounds better than my macbook pro for sure Ooh, really I'll have to yeah try that out. um okay so i wanted to get my wife on the show because when i met her she was a windows user <laughs> and had an aging laptop and i said well here here's a computer that i have it's a 2007 imac it's a little older, but it's still kicking around pretty good. Mm -hmm. And at first, she had the same reaction that you're having now <laughs> of, I don't understand how to use this. This is stupid. <laughs> this dock thing in the menu is not at the top of the program, and that's stupid. <laughs> um, it is stupid. <laughs> and now she has a Mac and a Windows laptop. And it's like gnashing teeth when she has to get on the Windows laptop. That's very interesting. I, I want to know how much of this is just, you know, your love of Apple pervading her whole life, and she just wants you to shut up about it so she uses it. I, I don't <laughs> think so, because when it comes to computing, 
she really doesn't come to me for help. Ah, okay. Because the answer she gets is generally lengthy and not useful. (laughs) Oh, I love that. That's fantastic. Uh, (laughs) It's like, well, you know, yeah, we could definitely do that to that file if you just open up Emacs and... (laughs) Oh, yeah, I... mm -hmm. Yes, I have the same problem at home, too. Hey, tell me why this thing on my car does this five hours later. <laughs> so it could be. <laughs> yep. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> so really, I feel like I was pretty hands-off in that transition other than just saying, well, other than you know your old Windows laptop, here's a Mac because that's what I have. Right, yeah. Okay. Uh, but now she has a relatively new Dell. It's a year-old Dell. Mm-hmm. Um that she does some specific work on that needs to be done on a windows machine. And she said updates the less amount of crap that happens on startup, uh, the reliability. And she said, she still feels like windows is more configurable. Just like she thought that her Android phone was more configurable and customizable than an iPhone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Does she still have an Android phone? No. Uh, she got tired of messing with all of those configuration things. (laughs) And I believe a couple years ago now said, nope, I want an iPhone. Okay. Uh, So I I will say as a data point, I have my older iPad now that I said, hey, here, why don't you use this instead of your Samsung? And she said, no, I don't really need it because all I'm going to do is use it for Netflix and there's no reason the Samsung's fine for Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those were her reasons of sort of making the transition. I asked her how she learned to use the Mac, and she said it was really a process of you know getting used to it, doing some research on how to do things, and it was frustrating for a while. Yeah, I hear that. <laughs> but if you put your your nice Dell XPS in a bag and don't let yourself pull it out for a week. I bet you get more comfortable with the Mac. Oh, but I love him. <laughs> He's so tiny and cute. <laughs> um, that's, yeah, I, I think that's just like the whole putting the time in to learn all these shortcuts, you know, because you and I talk all the time and, you know, I'm always like... I need to help edit this show. And you're like, I have it automated completely down to <laughs> most of it. And it'll take you years to figure out what I've done. <laughs> I'm like, cool. All right. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think you, you probably take it much farther than most people do, but that's the same thing. Like if I would just put in some time on the front end, you know, I'm going to get a lot more out of it. And I feel like probably I'm in the majority in here where no one does that at all with any of their technology right you know it's this is an aside but an interesting one i'd like to hear from listeners about this as well especially younger listeners that we have younger you know relatively um because so many times people are like you know these college students are digital natives you need to speak their language nobody knows how to do anything on a computer except for doing instagram and snapchat like there's no deeper understanding of computers in these digital natives. Not at all. Not even a little bit. Uh, I, I would even argue it's more the other way. Right. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. while they're familiar with it, and yeah, that's the thing they go to, they don't use it in depth. 
And so it's very surprising to me that people keep saying this. You know, these people are, they're not power users. No. Not even close. (laughs) I mean, people of my father's generation, when they took their mandatory programming class and they were programming on punch cards, I mean, they came out of that class whether they liked it or not, knowing some fundamental things about computer memory and storage. Uh, Yeah, you had to. There was not a GUI to fake that for you. No. Uh, (laughs) So, (laughs) granted, I'm not all saying that, you know, every uh, business major needs to be able to explain two's complement. (laughs) No, but they do need to learn how to use Excel, (laughs) which I know you hate, but that's... It's well, absolutely true. <laughs> for the right applications, Excel's the right tool. Right, exactly. And for most anything, a business major or most any regular person that's not doing a lot of computations, Excel's great. Yeah, and it's not good for things like science. <laughs> but that's another show. Uh, it is, but it is cool when you got that macro that lets you play Pac-Man. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> so... I think this is a good transition into sort of how we should wrap this up and put a bow on it is Shannon, if a student walked up to you right now and said, I'm an incoming geology major, what computer should I buy? Should I buy a Mac, a PC with windows, a PC with Linux or a tablet? What do you say? This was my secret question for you from last time. (laughs) Why did you do this to me? Mine was a little bit different. So, okay, so a college student coming in. So this is a little bit different because this is the whole digital native thing, right? So they feasibly can use some stuff. And they're a geologist. Man. I guess I would have to say that in our field in geology, not geophysics, Windows is still the way to go. There's a lot of legacy programs not just in paleomagnetism but in a lot of things um that are still windows based and i think most things that you're going to walk up to are going to look like windows so that's probably what you should do Hmm. okay and in my experience all right Mm -hmm. so and so now i'm going to turn the question a little bit differently and say at thanksgiving this past week, uh, you know, your aunt comes up to you and says, what computer should I buy? I need a new computer. What do you say? Oh, you, you thing I can't say. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I say, here's an iPad. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So we went through this, um, with, we've gone through this with my in-laws who, don't know what a podcast is, podcast is, so I'm totally cool talking about him on here. Um, we went through this, and my brother-in-law had talked her into buying this Hewlett-Packard laptop, which Hewlett-Packard, not even going to go there. But I said, no, this is not what she needs. She wants to get online to do stuff, like check her bank account. And, you know, she's a florist, so she likes to, you know, look at other online floors stuff. I was like, she needs an iPad. This is ridiculous. And I was absolutely right. And one Thanksgiving, you know, he finally says that to me because she gets bogged down with the weird stuff that Windows does to her and gets stuck in that hole. I haven't updated this and it breaks and it won't interface with this thing now. 
And yeah, she needed an iPad that she could sit on her couch and surf the web because that's all she wanted. She didn't need this Hewlett-Packard thing. Not that that's a powerful computer because HP sucks at everything but printers. But <laughs> Well, and power is almost a moot point for most users these days. Right. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's, uh, that's hmm. You, you do not need a top-of-the-line computer to watch Netflix, play solitaire, and surf the internet. Exactly. But if that's all you're doing, you are exactly right. Like an iPad is what you want because you don't have to deal with that other stuff. All the, all the maintenance and upkeep is sort of native to the system and you don't have to deal with that. And that's where it should be for those kind of users. So you asked about a college student and then, (laughs) yes, my in-laws essentially. So my question is, a takeoff of this as well because we once had this conversation about how <laughs> you know we're people are always asking you i'm sure i always ask you too because i've never actually sat down to finally learn a programming language besides fortran and so you say what uh you know what one do you want to learn and you say well you can write fortran in any language right so you've seen some stuff that's <laughs> That's Python, but it's clearly... I've seen some stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So there's like Python programs that are clearly Fortran, right? So stuff like that. So my question to you that I was building up to last week is, what do you buy for your five-year-old? An iPad. Really? Knowing that this is going to shape their computing life for the rest of their life. You can program on an iPad. <sighs> you can write an unreasonable amount of pretty powerful python on an ipad really yeah um you can also write swift using swift playgrounds on an ipad they don't have the full development environment where you can actually write apps on the ipad yet but it's coming Uh, so here pretty soon you'll be able to do ios development totally on an ipad god that's so weird to me i guess because i i remember the first iphones and stuff you know yeah. It wasn't uh, like that at all. No, I mean, when we were kids, we built computers, and they well, were yeah. massive towers. Yeah. Uh, yeah exactly. 1,200 fans going so you could play, you know, Jeopardy on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. And this is <laughs> this is one of those things where I use this analogy at work the other day of... I think at some point, you know, we're saying, oh, well, here's this really nice, powerful MacBook Pro five-year-old. This, you know, I'm giving you this so you can skate to where the puck is going, which I hate that phrase. (laughs) But really, I think for somebody even older than five, somebody going through high school right now, Mm -hmm. uh, if you give them you know, a really powerful laptop, you're not helping them skate where the puck gets going. You're putting them in the middle of a soccer field with a hockey stick. I'm impressed at your use of sports analogies, knowing how much you hate sports. <laughs> well, I mean, how is he going to get a touchdown on the... No, uh, but... <laughs> Good call. Good call. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I think I think you're you're in That's the wrong game at that point. That's really interesting. Well, that, I don't know if I would have guessed that's what you were going to say. Hmm. Yeah, and it's that is not going to be the solve-all tool. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. 
it's where I would start and it's where most things are going to happen. There's always going to be people writing code that runs on servers that sit in data centers. But that code that's running on those servers sitting in those data centers is going to be serving the computational needs of people on those iPads. That's really interesting. Hmm. Well, I hate to even remotely say that you've convinced me to use my Apple products a little bit more, <laughs> but well, and you probably uh, have. Okay, so I'm going to sort of change the question up a little bit too and say if that same college geology student came to me and said, what should I buy? Mm-hmm. I think my first question would be, what are you comfortable with? Oh, okay. Uh, some people that age are going to be comfortable with a tablet more than a computer. Yeah. Some people are going to be really good at Windows. If they know Windows inside and out, go for it. Mm-hmm. If they don't have a strong preference and if they are even thinking about getting into the programming side of things, I'd probably say, well, you should look at a Mac, but it's not necessary. Yeah. I don't want to impose my bias. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's... That's sort of where I'd come down on it, is what are you comfortable with? Because this whole landscape is sort of shifting right now. It, it really is, and it, it puts, it being on, you know, I'm not going to say the back end. I'm not, I'm not yet very old, but having seen computers grow through my life, it's interesting to look at how the companies are trying to answer that question too. You know what I mean? Like where you know, Mac or Microsoft trying to get in at what stage, you know, do you want to dominate the college market? Do you want to dominate the high school market? Do you want to have things for little kids? Because that's what they're going to be familiar with then. And then that might be what they gravitate towards is a very interesting, as much as I despise marketing, it's very interesting to think about because it's, it's just that it's different levels of where you take this stuff now, you know, how do you start? What are you comfortable with? What do you want to do? How do you influence how somebody grows up in this digital environment now? Well, and you have to remember that we are like the half percent. Yes. <laughs> of people that use our computers in these strange ways. Mm-hmm. And that is, I'm going to say scientists, academics, engineers, if you go out and grab random people off the street, right? Not in a university town. Make yeah. that stipulation. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> the likelihood that any of them are going to really get into programming, or really need to be able to run a compiler, or really need to be able to run a piece of CAD software, or even less likely need to be able to run Super IAPD. <laughs> uh, you have to remember that the the vast majority of computer users are shifting more towards the tablet landscape and that mm-hmm. it's a pretty narrow segment of us that are in the the steam fields mm-hmm. that are still in this awkward in-between phase where the tablets don't quite do everything we need, but they're where we want to go. I think definitely we need to have some more artists on the show coming up. You know, it was really cool talking to the Giga Macro um, guys about this because, you know, he started as an artist and I think these platforms serve an entirely different purpose for that realm in terms of, you know, graphic design. So if we have anybody listening, I would love to hear about that too. Yes. And before we go on too long 
But before we get to everybody's favorite segment, we have a couple of listener comments. Okay. So the first comment was from David. And David wanted to know if we have any recommendations for a good iOS calculator because he's getting tired of hauling his HP 50G around. that's awesome so do you use well what do you use for a calculator i don't i use i use my ti 86 man (laughs) okay well that mean that is okay so use a ti 86 yeah (laughs) all right i do because that's what i grew up with man i i'm comfortable on it and i find that i always like there's all this other stuff out there and i always just go back to it just for my you know relatively simple needs so those you know those cheap TI scientific calculators? They're blue plastic and they're like oh, yeah. 11 bucks at Walmart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, TI 30s, yeah. Uh, I glue magnets onto the back of those and stick them all over my shop. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> because I always need to do uh-huh. a simple calculation. Uh, and a lot of times when I'm working in my shop, I have gloves on. And yep. gloves and iOS don't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, so I have that. I have a one of the big TIs that I don't use much. I used to use all the time. Uh, the 50G is a really nice calculator, Dave. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, but I understand not wanting to lug it around. So when I do use a calculator, I wish that the Apple included calculator, since you asked specifically about iOS, was as mm-hmm. good as the calculator on the Mac operating system. Mm-hmm. On the Mac operating system, you can do all the scientific functions. You can do binary. You can do hexadecimal. You can write and left shift bits. You can and and or things. It's great. Uh, and it also has a reverse Polish notation mode. Ah, okay. The iOS version has none of these things. Yeah. <laughs> so I did buy a couple of calculator apps. and I've been. Oh, really? playing around with them after he asked this question. So the one that I think I like the most, though it still doesn't, there's a couple of little boxes it doesn't check, but nine out of 10, it's there, is called PCALC, and it's nine ninety nine. dollars Okay, I, I, I have people that use this, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's pretty nice. There's also one called CyProCalc, which did some of the things a lot of the things but its interface was not as nice mm-hmm. and i am more than happy to pay a developer for an app so that it's maintained yeah so i don't invest that time in learning it and then it goes away mm-hmm. it does have binary hex it does have an rpn mode it's got a bunch of scientific functions one thing i loved about it is it's got a menu of constants oh that's fancy. So, for example, I just touch constants, then I touch electromagnetic, and then I can touch elementary charge. And without typing anything at all or remembering any constants, I get 1.602176565 times 10 to the minus 19 coulombs. Nice. That's amazing. It's also got a, um, just based on my cursory search here, it's also got a really good conversions function too right yeah so it's got conversions and it's got functions so you can define user functions so you can say 
here's a calculation I do all the time. I'm going to write that as, you could sort of think of it as a macro. And then you can make a custom button on the calculator. So you enter the number, press your custom button, done. That's cool. That's super useful. That my TI-86. Well, no, it does do that. Never mind. It, yeah, it does. So uh, it, it takes a little. It's not like a button on it that I get to use it, but yeah. <laughs> so pCalc was the one that I liked uh, the most. There, uh, Martin suggested a real calc for Android, but it's not available on iOS. Mm. I knew I liked Martin. <laughs> uh, and then the other comment we had. Uh, came in our email. This came from listener Joe, who was one of our listener limerick contest winners a while back. Nice. And he wanted to know what programs and what operating systems have worked best for us in the process of recording the podcast. Ooh. And said, thanks for being the best science show out there. So your check is in the mail. (laughs) You're not supposed to say that on here. Um, (laughs) So I guess I can speak to that because I have used both my Windows machine and my Mac. I don't know if you have, John, but... I, I have, yes. Okay, all right. Well, never mind. Then we can both speak to it. Um, <laughs> I, I have used one much more than the other, though, so I'm Yeah, see, so I just, I just started using my Mac at home now. I did do it exclusively on uh, Windows, and I think I like the Audacity interface on the Mac a little bit better than on Windows. I, which is... yeah cheesy but true <laughs> i i agree and we've had less problems with recording on mm-hmm. the mac version yeah uh, and that's not all audacity's fault some of that is things like the windows skype version does all kinds of things oh. and drags your audio levels around and does horrible things oh that is that is absolutely terrible and absolutely true and i think that takes that makes it hard for us to do interviews and then you know talk about that but i had that problem quite a bit with skype and i couldn't turn it off i couldn't turn the automatic thing off because then it wouldn't actually do any audio at all and that is true i had a lot of problems with that so yeah it's easier on the mac so yeah and we do use audacity for recording and editing it's free it's open source uh i use a program called Audio Hijack by the software company Rogue Amoeba when I do multiple sources. So there have been a couple times where we've interviewed somebody and they're sitting across the table from me and I have multiple microphones and Shannon on Skype. And with Audio Hijack, I can route each of those things to separate files and mix them in our headphones appropriately. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we've used that a little bit. And then I use Skype Call Recorder to make backup recordings, which occasionally we've had to use. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's been really nice. And that doesn't exist on the Windows version. No. So, uh, so yeah, Joe, that's the software that we use to do this. And given that it's one of the more creative-y type things, I'm not all that surprised that it works a little better on the Mac. Yeah, yep. Creative-y type things. Beautiful. <laughs> right. <laughs> And, you know, we've talked to people that were using Linux, and I remember at the end of one episode where uh, somebody's Linux kernel died, and we were doing all kinds of antics remoting into the machine, trying to copy the individual files that Audacity (laughs) saves out before they turned off the machine, so we had a good copy of the show and all kinds of things. We're looking at you, Graham. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was terrifying. (laughs) Yeah, so... 
yeah, that hurts me to say, but definitely true. So do you have anything else to add before this show goes over uh, an hour again before we move on I to know. the fun paper? <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Um, that's so funny. No, I think I'm gonna I think we should probably do this show periodically. Um just as we as technology progresses because I I feel like this answer is different than it was when we started the show, you know, almost three years ago. So that's very interesting to me. And as I'm changing operating systems, it's you know, it's an interesting question and I like hearing what other people have to say about it. I agree. So I will set a reminder in my calendar. Three more years then, from now. <laughs> uh, it will it will come up, you know, on my my iPad, my iPhone, my watch, and my computer all at the same time. Probably come up on your eyeball by then too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not like Google Glass, but like really in your eyeball. <laughs> it's the, the, the iPhone. Yeah. Uh, oh. So And we're done. <laughs> without any other puns, I think it's time to move on to everybody's favorite segment of the show, Fun Paper Friday. Yay! <laughs> um, this one is fantastic. It's a good yes. find. So, uh, well, this was actually sent in by listeners. So Victor uh, sent this in. And uh, <laughs> so there's a Huffington Post article that is written by one of the co-authors of the paper. And there's an online simulator that I'm going to go link that you should go play with. It works oh, on your mobile device. I haven't done that. Oh, man. Yes. Uh, <laughs> See, I, I read it on my mobile device, which was really annoying because the screen's really tiny. But anyway. So it is called Collective Motion of Moshers at Heavy Metal <laughs> Concerts by Silverberg et al. Department, our laboratory of atomic and solid state physics, Cornell University. Oh, man, this is great. <laughs> uh, this is really neat. Um, and I love it because they point out that it was really neat for a lot of other sciences to use this, but they don't. Um, right. <laughs> but it's looking at this, you know, human collective behavior and trying to model <laughs> model <laughs> these mosh pit participants and see what it looks like in terms of a system right and uh it's actually quite modelable it, it is and one of the interesting points they brought up in here which i never would have thought about is it's really hard to study collective motion of people because if you say okay everybody we're going to put you in this room and we want to study uh how you egress from a room during a panic situation yeah. Or we want to study what happens when you're in a really densely packed sidewalk and you're behind that slow walker. Mm -hmm. If you tell people you're doing that and put them in the lab, you're not going to get even remotely natural. Not even close. And so I love this. So that basically they just strapped GoPros on all these people in mosh pits <laughs> and, and did a lot of, uh, you know, back calculating to take out, you know, perspective issues and things like that to actually make this a velocity model of everyone moving around. I love it. What a great idea. Yeah. And so they use YouTube videos because they did go to a heavy metal concert and uh, <laughs> snuck in the back did. with a tripod and cameras. And unfortunately, there were no mosh pits that night. <laughs> See, this is you never can tell when this stuff's going to break out. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and uh, they, they call out a number of emergent phenomena. I love that th this paper was written in true physicist style. 
<laughs> Here we study large crowds, ten to the two to the ten to the f- to ten to the five attendees of people under extreme conditions, yada yada yada. Um, the mood is influenced by a combination of loud, fast music, 130 decibels at 350 beats per minute, synchronized with bright, flashing lights and frequent intoxication. Oh, that was I had that highlighted too. I love that. Um, <laughs> the loud, fast music had to be quantified. You couldn't just say loud, fast music. <laughs> it's not quantified. It's not real. Oh, man, that was great. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was yeah, that was pretty sweet. Uh. <laughs> um, there's a lot of stuff that it doesn't really surprise me um, that, you know, basically what they say is that these mosh pit people, um, <laughs> I keep wanting to say mashers, but that's what they turned them into in their model. Um, which they called them mobile active simulated humanoids or mashers, right? <laughs> that was genius. Yeah, it was genius. <laughs> um, they, they basically are like a cloud of gas. And that didn't really surprise me all that much, but I thought it was a really cool, um, you know, fit for that model. So it did surprise me. Really? Uh, yes. You haven't been to a mosh pit, I guess. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, <laughs> Those don't don't normally break out at you know. <laughs> Jonathan Colton, John Jonathan Colton, either. <laughs> or Jonathan Colton, or um, uh, I don't know any of the early '90s bands. So, <laughs> so true. <laughs> no, what surprised me about it is you know in a in a gas model, you're considering particles that move move randomly, mm-hmm. collide randomly, and have no direction other than mass statistical properties that describe their movement and Mm -hmm. the thing that's surprising about that is these are not random particles these are brains right and they're self-propelled they're self-propelled a a big deal but i feel like having been in a mosh pit (laughs) um (laughs) i feel like that self-propelled part is really only the first time you move maybe that's why i feel like it was more of a gas cloud sort of situation because after that i feel like there's not really you don't really think about where you're going or have any intentionality in your movements at all so maybe that's why i figured that it it made sense that it was such a good fit well and you know me thinking about it I was like, well, of course there would be directionality out. How do I get out of here? <laughs> uh, hey, they modeled that, though. <laughs> there were lots of uh, mashers whose velocities are set to zero, and it turns out they, they form this protective bubble against all the mashers who are not. <laughs> it's true. And occasionally in the online model, which I you can go and play with all these parameters, and it's great, uh, you, can, you can see every now and then some poor non-active... <laughs> masher gets entrained in the mosh pit and just gets bounced through the thing and it's probably true with gas particles that's this is amazing um there was a really weird thing that they talked about um this characteristics of these circular circular features that show up and i didn't really circle pits i didn't really know what this was or what they are but there's some pretty excellent um physics language in the paper about these these as well yeah, so I didn't know about these either. Uh, if you YouTube it, apparently lots of other people did. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, I felt a little less cool. 
honestly, these are just big masses of people in basically solid body rotation. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but you know which part I'm talking about in the paper here. Um, when they're talking about these circle pits and modeling them, right? It says, you know, um, a five percent uh, flow clockwise, with the remaining ninety-five percent flowing counterclockwise. When they're talking about the flow in this solid body rotation circle pit, right? The best part: this asymmetry is independent of geographical location. <laughs> and I thought, what? And it's saying video from Australia and the UK and the USA all show this sort of flow. Well, Shannon, circle pits rotate the other way in the Southern Hemisphere. I know. Exactly. How does the Coriolis effect yeah. work on these? I thought that was like, who would even think that? I love it. Obviously, physicists and meteorologists are going to think that. <laughs> Well, and they said that this is because the model, it's 50-50. And mm-hmm. they think that this is because the model didn't incorporate the fact that humans have a dominant handedness or footedness. And I thought that was a brilliant explanation for it. Yeah. That was cool. So the, what I thought was really cool is they were able to run this model at, I think it was 10,000 different sets of initial conditions. Mm-hmm. And were able to see a phase boundary between yeah. circle pits and just mosh pits, and it has to do with how strong this following coefficient is. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they call it the flocking force. Yeah. And so basically, <laughs> it's if you have tendency of people to sort of follow what other people are doing, you'll get a circle pit. If okay. that tendency is lower in the crowd, then you just get random mosh pits. So it would be That's interesting to see funny. if there's a correlation with these and intoxication oh man that's so true or or with the bands too yeah that's true. a that's a really oh man because what, see what could I... make you more likely to follow somebody versus just do your own thing right exactly this is oh this is a really excellent thing i hope they follow up with some studies on this uh, well they said in the in the popular article that they wrote that don't worry this was unfunded but we're gonna keep going anyway <laughs> because <laughs> Uh, we like it. Oh, that's funny. And we get to go to concerts. That's exactly. (laughs) Like, this is for my research, man. (laughs) But, you know, again, we always have to bring this back to what are the real world applications? Right. And and that was exactly it. Like, they, they threw out a whole bunch, which I thought was nice. That sort of goes with the whole, you know, science actually sharing between people. And, you know, the flocking and migratory thing was a big deal. Like, large amounts of things doing something. That's actually where it, it goes toward. And just like you said earlier, John, especially towards human behavior, because you rarely have this many subjects in a study in one place. And then once you tell them to do something, it doesn't work out how it normally would in the real world. Right. And knowing how humans move in mass could do things like, you know, there have been a number of situations where fires or disasters in buildings have resulted in deaths as people try to escape. If Mm -hmm. we understood this behavior a little better, we could design more intuitive and more dispersive escape routes from buildings. Right. Exactly. Uh, I thought that was a really cool outcome for this. Right. So you can run this little JavaScript model 
and do all kinds of fun things. They even saw structures that look sort of like force chains. And in one situation, they were able to crank up the packing density uh, high enough that you got pretty much a crystal structure. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> wow, nature's pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, and you know, the crystal structure that you have to think about traffic jams, and we've talked about those on here before. Yeah. So this was a really interesting paper. It is in the archive, so you can get it for free. It's only a couple pages long, so go check it out. Link in the show notes, and then go play with the simulator for about half an hour. Yeah, exactly, or longer if you're, you know, us. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> So, Shannon, if anybody has another fun paper they'd like to send us, their own mosh pit video uh, field notes taken on their favorite tablet of choice (laughs) from their concert or anything like that, how can they get a hold of us? Well, you can send us those things, show at don'tpanicgeocast.com. If you want to make John's Christmas lights blink, at geo underscore Lehman. Mine won't blink, but you can still tweet me at Shannon Doolin, and together we are at Don't Panic Geo, or come to our chat room, um, the Software Underground. We're on the Don't Panic channel on Slack. And until next week, remember, don't panic. It's not an exact science. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed are solely ours and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers or funders.